This is On Tap with Bill Clark. What is On Tap? I've had some of the best conversations over a pint of ale, a glass of Pilsner, or a bottle of brew. Conversations over a beer will include sports, family, work, hobbies, and the weather. But we won't stop there. We'll dive into what inspires us and what drives us as humans. I'll invite some of my friends, coworkers, mentors, and community leaders to share some of their wisdom, advice, and of course, some of their favorite beverages. We pray our conversation blesses you and helps you find joy in this journey of life. Cheers. Welcome to On Tap with your host, Bill Clark. Welcome to On Tap. This is Bill Clark, and this evening I have Mr. Dave Reddle from Omaha, Nebraska on with us. I met Dave several years ago at my in-laws church, Pilgrim Lutheran Church, many, many years ago, like before all had kids or you just had little kids I don't remember which I think that's right yeah yeah Dave uh Dave is uh can run farther than me he has more daughters than me uh but he roots for the wrong team that's what <laughs> I, I knew that was coming that yeah. was so I'll let you uh introduce yourself a little bit anything you want to share about you and your family and life okay yeah it was it was uh we met at uh, Pilgrim Lutheran way back in uh Oh gosh, that would probably have been the early '90s, maybe. Um, maybe. Well, I didn't. I didn't meet Leslie until '95. So oh, okay, so it was it was '96, '97, probably in that in that range. Um, yeah. So prior to that time, well, I'll be back way up. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just I'm just a small town kid from Iowa. Grew up in uh, Denison, Iowa, Western Iowa, um, home to a lot of Cyclone fans, but also a few. Uh, Hawkeye fans, uh, grew up as a, uh, son of a teacher and a coach. And my mom was a teacher and her parents were teachers. And on his side, there were some teachers and pastors. So I've always had that kind of educator influence in me, but, uh, it was, a, it was a fun, uh, way of growing up in small town, Iowa. You got to play sports. You, you know, you got to be in the play if you wanted to be, it was, you know, it was one of those kind of uh, idyllic kind of experiences that you mm-hmm. look back on and, you know, while you're living it, sometimes it seemed really boring and I don't want to live here the rest of my life. But as you grow older, you begin to realize the experiences that you had there are pretty special. And it was pretty special with, with my dad being a coach. I never got to play for him. Uh, he retired when I was in eighth grade, they won the state championship that year. Uh, they beat Grinnell in, in uh, down in Des Moines for the class two, a state championship. And he retired cause he just wanted to watch me play and he never got to really watch me do much of any sports up to that point because he was always coaching basketball or football or cross country mm-hmm. track. So, uh, so grew up in Denison, loved the experience and then had to make a tough decision uh, where to go to college and, and, uh, actually visited Iowa state. Um, I liked oh. Iowa state. It was, it was, yeah, but I ended up in Iowa city. I was a Hawkeye. Uh, and it was a uh, that was fun. It was fun. It was a different experience because Iowa City is a little bit more liberal than Denison, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more things going on than Denison, Iowa. But it was great because it was a 
Uh, for me, it was 83 through 87. I just dated myself. Uh, that shows how old I am. But for that period of time, that was a pretty good period of time for Hawkeye sports and basketball and football and other sports. So it was a fun time to be part of all of that and then get a great education. And then I decided at that point that I was going to be in a secondary education uh, teacher, just like, like my dad, social studies, American government. And then I uh, took a civil rights class and realized that uh, maybe this law thing is a little bit more interesting. So I pursued that and ended up in law school and went to law school, University of Wyoming for, for three years out in Laramie and uh, came out, <clears throat> eventually moved to Omaha, Nebraska as an intern for a law firm and worked there for as a lawyer for six years. And then finally, for the last 25 years, I've been working at Orient Trading Company, which is a e-commerce company uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, now owned by the Berkshire Hathaway family. So it's been quite a journey. But uh, all throughout that, uh, just the, the family experiences I've had from small town to Iowa City to uh, you know, big town Omaha now, which is not really a big town anymore. Well, it's bigger in Des Moines. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger in Des Moines. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, that's a very quick history of kind of where I've been and um, what I've done on kind of the career side. But it was probably the Pilgrim era and maybe a little bit after that because uh, we transferred to King of Kings in Omaha, King of Kings Lutheran Church, uh, probably in 2000, 2001. And it was there uh, along with me doing a lot of hiking out in Colorado that I just began to realize that there's something bigger than being a lawyer, there's something bigger than a career. Um, I was, I had a young family and that was clearly the, the most important thing in my life. But, um, there's also a trigger for ministry that was, you know, pulling at my heart as well. And, and, uh, God showed that to me when we were, um, there was a couple of promise keepers events out in Colorado and Boulder that we went to as my dad and I, and, uh, a couple of those experiences and then a, a solo hike, uh, up Long's peak, uh, really kind of led me to a realization that there's something here that I can share with guys. I've been doing this all my life. I've been hiking since I was five years old uh, that I can share with other men that uh, maybe have never had an experience like this and, and maybe we'll see what happens. And that's pretty much the, the, the starting point of peak challenge. Yeah. Well, we'll get more into peak for sure because uh, I got lured into this thing and <laughs> I'm going to miss it this year. And at first I wasn't so sure I should be doing this, uh, especially climbing Mount Albert the first year. Um, and, uh, now I'm like trying to figure out any way I can to get out there because I got to go to school. So I may still jump on a plane in St. Louis and show up. You never know. So. Well, when I was in Omaha, I met my, didn't talk about family. I met my, my wife, uh, on a blind date. And that was, that was interesting because there was a paralegal at our law firm that said, Hey, I've got this cute teacher who's teaching my eighth grade kid down in Bellevue, Nebraska. You got to meet this girl. And I'm thinking, oh, great, blind date. This yeah. is well, it turned out pretty well because <laughs> she's definitely out of my out of my league, and so I, I definitely married up. And as you mentioned, I have girls, so I have four girls. Uh, and again, this will date me, age me a little bit, but uh, oldest is. Uh, second year grad student in speech pathology at, at Nebraska. And then I have triplet girls that are all 21 and they're all seniors this year. Two of them are at Lincoln and then one's at uh, Kansas state down in Manhattan. So we are, there's light at the end of the tunnel. 
these that's kids. A lot, that's a lot of tuition. Yeah, a lot of tuition, a lot of room board, a lot of <laughs> moving, a lot of that stuff. But as of May 2021, it looks like the uh, graduation for four will happen. You're going to move into like a different tax bracket without even the pay raise. <laughs> no, we're not going to be living in the trailer down by the river anymore. True. But I mean, the cost of education, look at them. Oh. You know, my kids are about the same age. And I'm like, I, I worked through college and paid as I went and didn't, never had a school loan. That's impossible now. Yeah, it's impossible now. Yeah. And our kids do work and they do take out some small loans, but we're doing whatever we can to get them through. Yeah. I mean... It's, it's crazy. Well, cool. So, uh, as we, as we get started after the introduction, uh, I see that you're, uh, uh, downing something there. What, what, what do you got that you're uh, drinking this evening? So this is probably my number two beer. Um, but it's pretty close to number one, but it's number two. This is a, a Deschutes Black Butte Porter, um, out of Bend, Oregon. And I'm usually not that trendy. But this one, this beer is pretty good. Uh, but my my go-to beer is uh, a couple of beers that are made by uh, Bent Paddle out of Duluth, Minnesota. And ah. local local stuff up there. If you ever get up to Duluth, go up to their brewery in downtown uh, Duluth. Oh my goodness, unbelievable like, place! Was it Broken Paddle? Uh, Bent Paddle. Bent Paddle. All right, I and definitely they've will. A, they've got an ESB Amber Ale that I like, and then they got a Black Ale that I like. And the reason I drink that is every summer we go up, uh, actually for the last four summers, we go up to Northern Minnesota to run the Superior Hiking Trail. And we'll, so we'll, I got a group of guys that run with me and we'll run, you know, 15, 20, 30 miles a day and then go drink beer. How many miles? Anywhere between 15 to 30 and then go drink beer. That's awesome, Dave. <laughs> That's uh, about 14 more than I think I, I run in a day. Uh, I, I'll just share with me. I, I brought out a classic. Uh, oh, excellent. Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has a blue, <laughs> blue ribbon on it for a reason. You know, and many people don't actually read the can, but it says this is the original Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Nature's choicest products provide its prized flavors. Only the finest hops and grains are used. And it's been selected as America's beer since 1893. And I haven't opened it yet, but. Oh, well, you just can tell by the sound that that's clearly a, a, an award winner. A, award. Blue Ribbon. Yeah, that's Blue the Ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> well, cheers. It's not bad. I used to think that was not possible, but I've grown. <laughs> so I definitely want to talk to you a little about Peak. Uh, I think. I can't remember. The first year I went was uh, the year we got snowed, rained out uh, on Albert. And I went back the second year. Um, so I think that was 2012, uh, 2011. Yeah. I've done six or seven peaks. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. How many, peaks, how many peaks do you got, Dave? Oh, boy. Um, I think I'm at 32 different 14ers, but then total wise, I'm like at 75. All right. So for, for the listening audience, uh, peaks, we're talking about 14ers in Colorado. There's 56 of them. And some people's goal is to climb all 56 of those. And Dave is a lot closer than I am. I think I have six or seven different ones. Yeah. But I've done, I've done Tories a couple times. 
Um, anyway, so. I'm on my way, but you know, 32 is a long ways from the final push. And there's probably five of them that are considered flat class fives that I will never do because my wife has told me that I will never do those. And not just because she's told me that, but if you watch any of the videos of those things, forget it. <laughs> yeah, no class, yeah. Class five is risking your life. Forget that. Yeah. yeah. There, 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 there's pushing yourself, you know, to limits and doing a peak and, and having that experience. And then there's complete craziness. And I'm, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to cash in my life insurance. So. That's right. <laughs> so uh, tell us, I mean, something you want to share about peak. Um, you know, you told us a little bit how you, inspiration to get started, but you know, um, if you want to check it out, it's peakchallenge.net, correct? Peakchallenge.net. So yeah, you want to go ahead. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was, uh, sitting around in a, a men's Bible study, uh, at King Kings. And there was, I don't know, four or five guys at that point that were talking about this. And I said, at one point I said, you know, you should just come with me to, Colorado this summer because I usually just go out and hike 14ers and I stay in the tent and and I know at least two of them looked at me like that's that's just crazy stupid I would never do that <laughs> and but lo and behold by the time that summer time came around we had about 10 guys 15 guys total um, 10 from King Kings and a couple other people from around town Omaha and we went out there the first year and there was nothing planned we were just going to camp and and hike and enjoy ourselves and, and which we did. And I think it wasn't just myself. It was some of those other guys that came out that realized that what there's something a lot more here. There, there's so much more here than just a camping trip because mm -hmm. when you get guys around a, a campfire and they start to open up a little bit about their lives and they begin to realize, you know, what is significant and what is not significant, and what, what values do they have and what matters the most in life um, they begin to realize real quickly that that's something that they, most guys don't have in their lives, period. They don't have the ability to share that kind of stuff at an intimate level with some other man and feel good about it and, and have someone else's back and you mm -hmm. have their back. So we came home from that, <clears throat> that weekend the first year and realized we need to do this again, but still not sure what it looks like, but we'll pray into it and, and God will, will give us the answer. And, you know, next year it doubles in size and it kept doubling and, you know, we're, we're year 15 now. And I think the last five to seven years we've averaged, oh, I don't know, probably 180 or so or more. We had a big year. One year was 250, which is humongous. Uh, but it's so special because we, you really, it's, it's word of mouth. You know, once a guy goes, uh, he tells his friends or he tells his coworker or he tells his dad, or he brings his son or grandpa brings the grandson um, and they go, well, why it's just a camping trip. Right. And usually the guys are like, no, it's something much more than that. So yeah. you need to be there. Yeah. So it's been really special and really humbling to be part of all that because there's so many leaders like you and guys from Kansas city and, and uh, Nebraska and other places in Iowa that um, have led out there for a number of years and, and realized uh, the importance of, of what God does with men in, in the wilderness and how he resonates in their soul. So it's, it's been pretty special. And I think a big reason that happens because uh, you realized and the leaders realized that it's not about you. It's not about them. And it's not about making this great event because I think we get caught up in a lot of that times, especially in church. It's like, Oh, we have a successful event. We got to have more people and make it bigger next year. 
we do the same thing year after year. And if we had 15 people or 200 people, um, you know, it's the same thing year after year, which is what I like about it. You know, it seems like everybody checks their ego at the door, you know, and we just, um, open up, be vulnerable and, um, you know, phones don't work out there. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, I have to tell you, uh, Friday night we had that block party and I, um, that big tent that we use for meals and stuff. I'd pack, I'd packed it up from Colorado last year and I haven't had it out. So I pulled it out and it smelled like pine and campfire and I smelled it. It was so good. (laughs) So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you're right though. because there, there are guys that it's not about us. It's clearly not about us when we go out there and you see this sense of humility that um, kind of spreads around the camp, that campground. I mean, guys realize that it doesn't matter who you are, what, what your position or title is back home, you know, how much money you make or what car you drive or, you know, where you're at in life. It doesn't matter because when you're out there, you're just a guy. Um, You're just a, a child of God, just like any other man that's in that camp and your life experiences are different than the open door mission guys that are there. Mm-hmm. But those guys are just as valuable and just as important and God loves them just as much. And that's why everybody's out there is to, you know, to iron sharpens iron. And so one man sharpens another and you get to rub shoulders with people that uh, quite frankly, most times in life, you're never going to run into. Uh, yep. So that's valuable. Um, and I hope guys, you know, I hope they, appreciate that experience and it's not just about the hiking and it's not about the white water rafting those are all fun and i love doing that but at the end of the day it's really about the relationships that that men build around that campfire and and in camp and while they're hiking up those trails and the food you have to remember the iowa tribe does the the iowa food the friday night meals have been a staple forever but they're not going to happen this year that's okay it is okay, but um, you know, not only do we have barbecue, we have we have pork chops, we have brats, we have hamburgers, and Sunday uh, we have steak. And last year I hauled out sweet corn out there, and so that's amazing. We 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 do not um, we burn a lot of calories, but we consume a lot of calories. Yeah. So. Well, and, and you know, Pete Challenge. There's so many times that I can think of over the years of there's big things that you can think about that have happened out there. You know, when we, we hauled up, uh, Alex, who was a, uh, 14 year old boy that had, uh, uh, muscular dystrophy. Um, and we hauled him to the top of the mountain on a stretcher and, you know, switched out guys as we were hauling him up, that kind of thing. And hundreds, <clears throat> hundreds of people on quandary were, were going nuts. Cause they're like, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. You know, are you rescuing that guy? Cause you're going the wrong way. You should be going down the mountain instead of up. And then they realized what was happening. And it was, it was one of those days that was kind of seriously big God days. That was mm-hmm. huge. But then there's so many small things that have happened as well. that are just as important at the challenge. You know, some of the stories that guys tell you of an interaction that they had at a guy with a guy at, at peak challenge that kind of changed their trajectory. Um, it wasn't anything big, but it was a conversation that they had with a guy that was experiencing the same thing that they were going through. And, and so it's those things like that, you know, the, the stories you hear about, but also the hundreds of stories that you don't hear about, but you know happened and you know God was weaving all those. I mean, to me, that's the the most satisfying thing is is knowing that God's revealing his story and, and weaving his story into so many of those guys every year. Yeah, um, go back into their communities to, to do the same. 
Yep, it replicates. Kind of go back to, um, I've kind of had the same experience when you said you were out on a solo trip and you, you just thought, you know, you got a good career, you got a great family, you've been blessed with a great wife. And I had the same experience. It's like one day it's like, there's got to be more to life than this. How many, how many, how, do you think every guy goes through that at some point? I mean, it seems like, you know, I've talked to guys in their 60s, the guys in their 30s, you know, they, 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 they acquire everything that we are told to acquire and do and be successful. And yet there, there's something missing, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I think that happens to most, if not all guys. And I, I think the key is um, for me was I was, I had other people around me that I could share that with mm-hmm. that gave me affirmation, uh, especially my, my, my friends and my brothers at, at, at church. I said, you know what? Yeah, maybe God's calling you to do this or that. Um, because most guys are going to have that feeling at some point that there's got to be more to life than, you know, doing this job and making this money and buying these things. Uh, and maybe they're feeling that, but if, you know, if, if sometimes you just need that kick in the rear end by somebody else that says, you know what, you're right. And you got what it takes and God's calling you to do it. So go do it. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that's, that's what Pete challenge hopefully is doing for some guys. And I think the second part of that is when a guy is vulnerable and he opens up, there's somebody that will seriously listen to them that they can develop a trust relationship with and know that down the road, if I need to talk to this guy anytime about anything, I can call him up and talk. Right. Yeah. Because even my wife is like, you know, I, it's like, I need guys like that in my life. She's like, so there's things you don't tell me. I'm like, no. I would eventually tell you things, you know, but there's sometimes I need to call up my buddy Mike or my buddy Tim or Mark and say, Hey, this is what's going on. You know, we got to talk it through before I can talk to my wife about it, you know? And it's so important to, and I've realized that, you know, you got to surround yourself with people that you look up to, people that inspire you, people that are, are doing different things, but they're all, they have a whole, have a mindset of, of doing something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those guys may not be Christians. I mean, there, I have friends that aren't Christians that have that mindset and are doing great things you know, for people. But at the end of the day as well, you got to have a, a couple of really solid uh, believers in Jesus that, that are pulling you along as well. And you get to pull them too. Exactly. That's great. That's great stuff, Dave. So my last question that I always ask people, um, what gives you joy in this journey of life? It gives me joy. Um, for me, it's always, it's always kind of a, I don't know, it's a sports analogy. For me, there's always a sports thread in it. So for me, clearly right now, before I get to that, is family. Having family at home, during this uh, pandemic has been, has been awesome. I mean, my kids would not have been home, mm-hmm. but for this, they would have been in their apartments. They would have been in college. Um, I would have seen them every once in a while, but to actually have them all home for you know, months on end and, and to be able to you know, spend a lot of time with them and, and to you know, be their dad, um, to reconnect, to inspire, to challenge, um, to be told what to do sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay. But, but that's been really important. Um, and now, you know, as this thing is starting to lessen a little bit, you know, the kids are starting to go back to school and do their own thing. And, 
it's somewhat sad, but it's been, it's still a satisfying feeling knowing that uh, we had that time together. But on the sports analogy is for me, the joy is always the journey of doing something that's going to challenge me and, and have, finding joy in that. Because James 1, 2 talks about, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face all these trials and tribulations. Well, for me, ultra running has become some of that. Um, running 50K or a 50 miler, I'm training for a 100 miler now in September. Uh, going out and, and keeping that training up you know, where you're 50, 60, 70 miles a week, it's, you got to really enjoy it. I mean, you've got to, you got to enjoy the journey of, of the training because if you don't, it doesn't make any sense to run a stupid race. So I love it. I love to be able to get out and, and physically challenge myself, but it really becomes and a lot of times um, a time of prayer when I can be away alone for hour, two hours, three hours on end and have time to, to be in a, just a normal conversation with God for a long time. It's pretty special. You know, at the end of the day, you hurt. Cause I just got finished, <laughs> finished running 20 miles, but you know, you know, you're going to be able to recover, but that's, I find joy in, in doing all of that. And, and you know, your prayers aren't going to be real pretty when you're on mile 18 either. You know, they're not yeah. this flowery thing. It's like, Oh God, help me. <laughs> yeah, you're cutting to the chase. And it's not about, you know, a lot of times it's not about real big weighty and boring things. It's about simple things like, God, I'm just thankful for being out here. Mm-hmm. I get around on this trail and get to see these things. My legs are moving. I'm 55. Sure, it hurts a little bit, but I'm breathing well. Um, over the last, it was actually since January 1st, um, I've lost 28 pounds. Um, and I was not in horrible shape prior to then, but I've, I've slimmed down to be more of a skinny ultra runner, which is okay. I, I do think naturally, you know, your app, as you get older, your appetite starts to go down a little bit, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. As you, <laughs> as you observe by the amount of food I haul out to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sports are just, you know, it's just a part of, I mean, they're not every guy likes sports, but most guys do, you know? And, uh, you know, it's definitely been a part of our history because, you know, Paul brought it up in scripture, you know, run the race. You know, there's, there's several illustrations that he used in sports. Um, you know, there's just all kinds of parallels in sports and, and life and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And, you know, and running that, you know, running a race, whether it's 50 miles or hundred miles, there's, believe it or not, there's kind of like seasons within the race where you might be feeling really great at mile 10 at mile 25, you may have hit a, a little down spot, maybe got a blister in your foot, whatever, you're having to troubleshoot. It's not looking so great right now. It, you, know, you get back into aid station at 50, you've recovered a little bit, you feel great, you think you, know, you, think you got this thing uh, by the tail, and then mile 70, you're in the deepest hole you've ever been in your life. And, <laughs> and you're telling yourself, I'm never gonna make it. But the, the pain that you're enduring at that extent and this, I've had this in a race where I, I think to myself, this pain that I'm enduring right now is nothing compared to what Jesus has endured for me. Yeah. Nothing. And so this is temporary. And, and I'm just going to continue to move forward uh, for the glory of God. And, and uh, that's how I finish races is I tend to change my focus a little bit. 
Well, I tip my cap to you because that's pretty awesome, Dave, but I have absolutely zero interest in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did ride 50 miles on my bike. That's a, a new record for me in one day. Um, that's impressive. Yeah, we did 50 miles a couple weeks ago on a Friday, me and a couple other guys. Um, but we, we, we stopped for a couple of beverages along the way. That's our, that's our breaks. But we still average like 13, 14 miles an hour, I think. I mean, we weren't messing around. You know? That's good. So, I recently good. got a uh, – yeah, this past fall, I bought a, a fat bike. Uh, so I've been a fat bike guy as well. And, you know, if, if anybody has had experiences with fat bikes, you get on that thing, it's 34 pounds. You know, the wheels are four inches wide. And, you know, you, if you can average 10 miles an hour on that bad boy, you're pretty good. Um, yeah. So that, that's a workout on that thing. It's, it's kind of been kind of fun riding that. Yeah, on the bike trails, you can hear those things coming. You hear the tires on the ground. Here it comes, you know. And usually the guys that are pedaling those things have calves the size of my thighs, you know. So, Well, Dave, um, I will definitely miss peak uh, for sure. But I will be back next year. Uh, like I said, don't count me out yet. I may, you know, sneak out and figure out some way to get out there and do it or who knows. Well, we got a spot waiting for you. We always have a spot. Well, thanks, Dave, for joining us. That's it for this week on tap. This has been On Tap with Bill Clark. I'd like to thank this week's special guest, Dave Rettel from Omaha, Nebraska. Check out Peak Challenge at peakchallenge.net. Peakchallenge.net. Have a great week. We pray that our conversation blesses you and helps you find joy in this journey of life. Cheers. Yeah,